Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Brandon Pelter with Mark Schwartz. And Mark, this might be the first time we're in uh, different states recording the pod. You are coming off of your first road trip. You're with the team in Portland, Maine. They took four of six. What was it like getting back out on the road, partner? Yeah, it was great, Brandon. It was uh, you know a lot of fun. Portland is a beautiful city, and I would recommend any of our fans that are listening to this podcast, if they have an opportunity in future seasons to uh, follow the Patriots up there for that road trip. Certainly worthwhile. Uh, ate my weight in lobster, uh, which was great. <laughs> Two lobster rolls and then one big uh, lobster dinner. So I feel like I played it pretty well up there. And of course, the team, the team played pretty well as well. So overall, it was a nice, fun week. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And also a really nice place to start in terms of, you mentioned Portland being beautiful, but Hadlock Field has been there quite a while, almost a landmark in that part of the country. Yeah, it certainly is. It's got this nice old school kind of feel to it. It's in, you know, it's just on the outskirts of downtown Portland, Maine. There's the old port and then it's, it's walking distance to the old port. Uh, but it, the facade on the outside has that old feel to it. Everyone kind of walks to the ballpark. There's not a lot of parking in that general area. And then once you walk in, it's just an easy ballpark to watch a game. And there's not a lot of music. There's not a lot of frills. Uh, some of the about maybe a third of the stands are actually bleachers in the general seating bowl behind home plate. Uh, but fans come in, they take it easy. Uh, everyone, you know, vacations up there in Portland. So there's a lot of locals. There's also a lot of people that know that when you're in town, you go to a Sea Dogs game and it just provides for a nice relaxing uh, environment to watch a game. Well, the Patriots enjoyed their time there too. They took four of six and now Mark, they're 15 games over 500, but maybe even more notably, they have the best record in all of the AA Northeast, one of the top records in all of AA, but they've hopped Bowie, who for a very long stretch held that mark with the best record. They've struggled though. The Bowie Bay Sox have only won three of their last 10, including a stretch where they lost seven straight with a series against Akron and and then the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, they've really fallen off the table almost out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a bit surprising because they have some of the most talented players in the entire league, right? I mean, they have Adley Rutschman, who's the number two, possibly now number one prospect in all of baseball ever since Wander Franco was called up by the Tampa Bay Rays. Then they have Grayson Rodriguez, who's the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. And they've got some other contributors, D.L. Hall on the pitching staff, Patrick Dorian, uh, hitting in the middle of that lineup. So that's a really good team they have over there in Bowie. So, so to see them drop seven straight games at one point, very surprising. Uh, what's not surprising is that when that seven-game losing streak came to a close, it was Grayson Rodriguez who was on the mound for Bowie. He shut down uh, New Hampshire in a matchup where Simeon Woods Richardson was actually on the mound for the Fisher Cats. So uh, one of the more premier pitching matchups that you'll see in the AA Northeast League this year. But you mentioned it. I mean, Bowie... Uh, they've, they're three and seven over their last 10. They're now 29 and 17 on the year. They're a game and a half behind Somerset for the best overall record in the AA Northeast League. So Bowie struggling and Somerset having one of its best stretches of the season against some very good opponents as well. Uh, it's certainly promising, but you know, Brandon, there's a lot of baseball left, but we're having this conversation on June 28th. So um, you know, a lot of seasons still to be played, but certainly an exciting time in Somerset. Well, we've got plenty to get to here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. A recap of this past week in Portland. We'll preview this next week. Mark, you stay on the road with the team as they head to uh, Harrisburg to take on the Senators. And then we'll check in with uh, some of the big Patriots names that have made their way up to the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. That's all coming up here. Let's jump right in on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Well, Mark, we already said it. A very successful series for Somerset. Uh, against the Portland Sea Dogs, taking four of six games. They dropped the first game of a doubleheader, and they dropped uh, Sunday's matinee contest to bookend the series. But 
they went through a really strong middle stretch there. They were at a season high, 16 games above 500 now with the loss Sunday down to just uh, 15 games. I think that'll be okay, though, leading the AA Northeast League. What were your biggest takeaways in the series, Mark? Yeah, it, w- it was a fun series to watch. Going in, Brandon, we-, we talked about it on last week's show, how we didn't really know what to make out of this Portland team. We were, for such a long time, wondering how does Somerset stand in the league? And we looked at this three-series stretch between uh, Erie, Richmond, and Portland as a real barometer to see how Somerset was going to be this entire season. And then we looked at the schedule that Portland's played this year, and they've only played teams below 500. Now, that's not necessarily their fault. It's the nature of how the schedule was put together this year, but they've only played Binghamton, Harrisburg, um, Reading, New Hampshire, and Hartford. A similar stretch to the Patriots at the beginning of Somerset's season as well. So we didn't know exactly what this Portland team was going to look like. So going into this series, I think it was very clear uh, from the get-go, even though they lost that first game of that doubleheader on Wednesday, uh, these were two teams that are at different places in terms of talent. The Patriots, they, they stood out. I mean, there were some okay stretches from Portland, but for the most part, Somerset taking four of six. Offensively, Diego Castillo really shined. This was the first week that he hit leadoff, and I think that we're going to be seeing him in this leadoff spot for some time to come because he was excellent in that role. Dermis Garcia had two of the longest home runs that I've seen this season. We keep on saying it every time Dermis hits one out, and you know, there's a couple of Luke Voigt home runs that were crazy also, but uh, one, one of those Dermis shots, um, I believe it was Thursday night, uh, cleared a tall batter's eye in straightaway center field. It was, it was crazy what Dermis was able to do. And then some production from other parts in the lineup. Donnie Sands had a good game on Friday. Thomas Malone still riding a, a good on-base streak. And then the pitching, we've talked about the pitching all season long, and, and at times they look to really overmatch this Portland Sea Dogs team. Uh, especially on Saturday night. I know we'll get into it a little bit later with Hayden Wisniewski, uh, but you know, three pitchers combining for a three-hit shutout against Portland, um, and Wisniewski had struggled his first time on the mound. So it was really promising to see that from Wisniewski. Um, but it just the, the Patriots pitching staff just seemed to be on a on a different tier than uh, than a lot of these Portland bats who came into this series, you know, having some nice accolades, including Tristan Casas, who's the number one overall prospect in the Red Sox organization, but. Casas really didn't do too much in this series. We'll get into his numbers in a bit later. So, you know, at, at the end of the series, walking away, I think that Patriots fans should feel really good about their team's standing, not only right now physically in the standings, but in their, you know, how they compare to other teams in the Northeast Division. There's going to be some tougher opponents in the Southwest Division, which we'll get to later in the season. Uh, but right now, in terms of how they stack up against other teams in their division, I would feel really good about the Patriots. I think that's my biggest uh, takeaway, Mark, is kind of an outsider looking in. Of course, you were on the road with the team. I was just kind of tuning in from home, but we've almost had this hesitancy and we've been somewhat reserved with putting uh, a stamp on the Patriots of what they really are. But each week, it seems like they're getting better and better. Um, And it seems even, you know, New Hampshire, the first time against the Fisher Cats was a struggle. They dropped four of six. Second time out, they won three of five against Erie bit of a struggle on the road. We look forward to seeing them at home in a couple weeks to see what kind of bounce back they can have. The more we see the Patriots play different teams, we're able to get a little bit of a better definition on them, and it's all trending upward. They've been playing really good baseball as of late. I think probably one of the best places to start, uh, you mentioned Diego Castillo in that leadoff spot. In six games this week, 10 for 25, Four doubles, he's been an extra base hit machine. He hit 400 this week. He has been really good for the Patriots pretty much the entire month of June. Yeah, he certainly has. I mean, he had that crazy start to the series in Richmond as well and then tailed off a little bit in the last couple of games of that Richmond series. But he's consistently, Brandon, I I would say he's been consistently the best batter in this Patriots lineup this year. And he's got the stats to back it up. He's got a 338 batting average now on the season. Uh, that's third best in the AA Northeast League. He ranks towards the top. He's second in the league in slugging. He's second in the league in OPS as well. And shifting into the leadoff spot, didn't see it coming originally. I mean, we had talked about how Oswald Peraza would make sense as a table setter at the top of this lineup. Michael Beltre was in that role for a while. Oswaldo Cabrera was in that role for a while. But when you take a step back, you know, you want to have Castillo's production anywhere in the lineup. And he had been hitting in the middle of the order for some time. 
But now that he's at the top of the order, you have the guy who's getting on base with the most consistency, setting up the rest of this lineup and setting up opportunities for guys like Oswald Peraza uh, to really work on situational hitting, work as a two-hitter to advance runners over and, and to come through in some of those situational spots and not just be a table setter. An opportunity for guys like Donnie Sands and Oswaldo Cabrera to drive in some runs. Dermis Garcia and Michael Beltre in that 5-6 spot in the order to become real run producers. And Castillo has been setting the stage for that this week. So moving forward, I would think that there's a good chance that Diego stays in this spot because he played so well there. Uh, you mentioned that 400 batting average. The team won four of six. And, you know, he's got to be, you know, we, we don't talk about this too much, but like when you look at prospects on a team and you think about, you know, okay, we, we scout the other team and we say, okay, who's on the MILB pipeline top 30 list? Who's on the Baseball America top 30 list? And you kind of zero in on some of those guys and say like, okay, these are the prospects. These are the names to watch. Diego Castillo isn't on any of those lists for the New York Yankees. However, you know, if you went into this season with an open mind and not looking at any lists and you wanted to walk away and say, who's, you know, who, who's the one guy that you're really, at least asking me, who's one guy that I'm really impressed by that I think has, you know, one of the best chances that's just a complete player. For me right now, I would say Diego Castillo. He's been hitting for average. One of the big bugaboos for him going into this season is that he never really hit for much power. But he's got eight home runs now, which matches the eight home runs that he had on his entire career over his first five mm -hmm. professional seasons. So he's matched that power and surpassed it this season, getting on base. We've seen a slick glove from him in the field, whether it be at third base or whether it be at second. You know, he hasn't done too much along the base paths, but he's still, you know, he's four for five in stolen base attempts on the year as well. So he's been the most impressive player to me. And now to have him at the top of the order, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a real promising step for the Patriots. Well, in, the, in addition to all of that, Mark, he didn't strike out a lot. And that's something that we really um, aren't seeing from a lot of hitters, period, on any team in all of baseball. He's a guy with really good hands. And I don't remember exactly who said it. Maybe it was Julio Mascara earlier this season. But Diego being a guy that, as you mentioned, never really had the power, always trusted his hands. And he spent the last year not playing working on his lower half. So now he has that going along with the hands that he's always trusted. It almost kind of reminds me of some of the pitchers that Somerset has that in the past haven't quite had the overpowering fastball. So they've had to be smart pitchers. And now that they've developed the stuff, they're smart pitchers with really good stuff. Makes it hard to hit. Just like for Castillo, it makes him really hard to beat. To bookend him in the month of June, he's hitting 366 with a 410 OBP. I think that's pretty good. That'll get the job done. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Into another Patriots bat, Dermis Garcia. He continues to struggle a bit in this uh, past series, played all six games, hit just 190 with four hits. Two of them, though, were homers, won the double. The power is there, which I think just makes it a little frustrating because that raw power is there. It just seems like the pitch recognition kind of struggling a little on, as Julio Mascara mentioned, the swing decisions. Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating watching Dermis because he could be the most impressive player on the field from time to time. I mean, the, the Thursday night home run that he hit went 474 feet. That is, that is not an easy thing to do. I mean, he just demolished one. I talked to a couple of people over at Havelock Field, some cameramen, a couple of people in the press box over there. Um, their broadcaster, Emma, and they were saying that was the furthest ball that they've seen hit at Havelock Field in quite some time. Just crushed one. And then the next, a couple of days after that, hit a 454-foot, a 458-foot home run on a hanging slider. It was a 76-mile-per-hour pitch, and he had a 109 exit velocity on it. Um, so, I mean, it just shows, like, not even on a, on a, you know, a big fastball. He's able to turn one around and just demolish the baseball. So those were two standout, impressive performances from Garcia. However, uh, in between the two games that he hit those home runs on Friday night, he had a platinum sombrero. He went 0 for 5 with 5 strikeouts. And overall on the week, Dermis struck out 14 times in his 21 at-bats. You can't do that. I mean, you know, that's why Garcia, with all of the power that he has, is still trying to figure things out here at the AA level. And, and until he's able to cut down on those strikeout numbers and provide more consistency at the plate, 
you know, he's still going to be hitting bombs here in double A, but, you know, sandwiching those bombs around, you mentioned it, you know, in that series, a 190 batting average. So the potential is there. It's exciting every time he's at the plate because, you know, there's a possibility that he's going to send an unforgettable home run off the fence. But more often than not, lately, he's really struggled with those strikeouts. Well, we have seen, though, when he's able to get hot and when he's able to kind of turn things around and get locked in like he did against the Hartford Yard Goats for that week and a half stretch or so, well, he can hit the cover off the ball. So we're really hoping that he can get back to that, just put the ball in play with a little more frequency, and it becomes just such a, a better hitter because he has that raw power. Whenever he makes contact, he tends to hit the ball hard. Another guy that's been hitting the ball really hard, and this a little more consistently than Dermot. Garcia, I think the last batter that we have to mention from this past uh, series is Thomas Malone. He's uh, got a 15-game on Bay streak. It started in his first stint with Somerset. Then he went to Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, and he had a lot of success with the Rail Riders as well. It's not like he was a bad player by any stretch in uh, Scranton, hitting over 300, but did return back to the Patriots earlier in the month of June, and he picked up right where he left off. Yeah, he certainly did. He hit three thirty-three in this week, 7 for 21 from the plate. A couple of runs batted in, a couple of big plays as well. He had an RBI triple um, that started up a three, a six-run inning a couple of nights ago. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the 15-game on base streak. The thing with Malone is that he bats seventh in the lineup for the Patriots. So, you know, there was a couple of different points, Brandon, earlier this season where we were kind of looking at this Patriots lineup and wondering, you know, how much depth they have and, getting some production from the bottom part of the order, whether it be from a guy like Max Bird or, you know, Matt Pita or Aaron Polensky. You know, we, we, we saw a big series from them in Hartford, and we were kind of wondering how sustainable a lot of that production was going to be. But now, you know, the Patriots add Oswald Peraza to the top of the order, and they get Thomas Malone back to, pay, to play at the bottom of the Patriots order. And now you have the depth where you have somebody who – you know, entering Sunday was hitting 345 on the season, riding a 14 game on base streak, and he's your number seven batter. And he's somebody that's proven himself at the double A level as well. I mean, when he was in the Tampa Bay Rays organization, uh, you know, he played the entire 2018 season in double A. He spent 28 games at double A in 2019. So this level of competition isn't anything new to Malone. He's proven that he can contribute at this level. And right now, it's just a roster size you know, quandary for him that prevents him from being up at AAA Scranton. But as long as he's in Somerset, you know, he provides so much depth to this lineup. It's, it, it, it really stretches things out for the Patriots. Yeah, he's hit 344 in the month of June. We've seen him pretty versatile in the outfield as well. Well, we cannot go a conversation talking about the Somerset Patriots without talking about the pitchers, Mark. So we will get into that before we uh, head to the preview looking at uh, the Patriots' next series against the Harrisburg Senators. But this past week for Somerset, uh, surprise, surprise, the pitchers were really good. And uh, I think the best place to start is uh, probably with Jansen Junk, who turned in another gem. Yeah, he did. And, you know, it, it's great. we'll get into Junk a little bit more during the Harrisburg series because we do have some of the probables as well. But, I mean, the numbers that Jansen Junk has put up for this Patriots team has been tremendous. Uh, I, I hope, I don't, I don't, I think he's still qualified um, entering today when we record this podcast. He is. Okay. Uh, so he has a 1.07 earned run average on the season. Uh, he pitched for the Patriots on, what was it, Thursday night. And he went seven innings, his longest outing of the season, allowed one run on three hits, no walks, three strikeouts. He only threw 79 pitches. And he retired the last eight guys that he faced in a row, including his last inning of work in the seventh inning, only threw eight pitches. He wanted to go back out there for the eighth. He got the handshake from Julio Mascara once he got back to the dugout and kind of like leaned back and threw his head up a little bit. Um, he was frustrated that he had to come out because he was pitching so well. But on the season for Junk, he's just been so impressive. Has that 1.07 ERA. And he's become more efficient with his pitches, with his pitch count as well. We've seen the strikeout numbers kind of dip for him a bit. He had that nine strikeout performance against Erie back in the early stages of June. His last couple of times out, though, the strikeout numbers have been down, but the efficiency's been up. He's been pitching to contact. He hasn't been afraid to throw those first pitch strikes, and it has resulted in two of his longest outings of the season. So he, he's been, and, you know, he's not somebody that a lot of people keyed in on on this rotation at the start of the season. And even now, with 
Medina, Waldachuk, and Wesneski getting called up, Granado having those big strikeout numbers. Sometimes it might it still feels like Jansen Junk gets overlooked a little bit, but he's got the best ERA in all of minor league baseball among qualified pitchers. I mean, what else do you want the guy to do? So he, he's been very impressive. Yeah, he has been. And going back to the length that he's now providing, remember toward the start of the season, a couple weeks in, we had the chance to sit down and, and chat with Jansen. And he was maybe one of the most notably and visibly frustrated with being on the leash. It's very understandable. Coming off a year of uh, no baseball, no real in-game pitching for these guys, the Yankees wanted to be very careful but he was ready to really rip it and uh, let it loose. One guy that did that this past week, in addition to Jansen Junk, really two more names that I'd like to get to, Mark, and I know we're running pretty long here, but it was such a strong series for Somerset. Ken Waldachuk, a near no-hitter, and then Hayden Wisniewski, a huge bounce back after a really tough double-A debut a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, just to quickly touch on Waldachuk, he struck out 10 batters. It was in game two of Wednesday's doubleheader. It was a seven-inning game and he carried a no-hitter into the sixth inning. He got the first out, won five and a third, uh, before he gave up a base hit to Hudson Potts, and then a two-run home run to Tate Matheny that ultimately chased him from the game. We saw the strikeout stuff from Waldachuk in his first start of the season, and of course he had that impressive 30 and two-thirds scoreless innings streak with Hudson Valley. Uh, in his first start with Somerset, had the swing and miss stuff. He had that working again against Portland, so it was just a matter of cutting down the walks. Waldachuk will be fine. He showed that in Game 2 on Wednesday. For Wisniewski, it was a little bit more of a question. I mean, he still had a very impressive start to the year with Hudson Valley. In fact, as of his start for the Patriots Saturday night, he was still the qualified leader in ERA at the high A level. And he had not made a start in high A since June 13th, but his 1.49 ERA was still leading all qualified high A pitchers. That goes to show how strong he was with the Renegades. But his first time out for the Patriots against the Richmond Flying Squirrels he allowed seven runs, six of which earned on seven hits over four innings. So there was a question about how he was going to translate to the double-A level when, you know, pitchers have to make those adjustments. They can't just rely on the fastballs. There's more pitching. There's more of that cat-and-mouse game. And uh, for Wesneski on Saturday night, six shutout innings, two hits, two walks, induced decent amount of weak contact, seven strikeouts as well. All of the strikeouts that he had were swinging. So he had the swing and miss stuff as well, and it set up a combined three-hit shutout for the Patriots. So with Wesneski having a really strong performance, combine that with the pure stuff that Luis Medina has at the top of the rotation. We'll see him tomorrow night in Harrisburg. The ERA, where it stands for Jansen Junk. You have Waldachuk and Wesneski. You have Glenn Otto in the strikeout numbers that he has as well. This entire pitching staff, specifically the starting rotation, there's, there's no weak links, and, and I think that that was affirmed by the, uh, by the effort from Wisniewski on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, no, no question, Mark. The Patriots have been just such a complete team the last week, especially maybe even going uh, two weeks playing against the Richmond Flying Squirrels. They took four of six against the Portland Sea Dogs. They have an opportunity to rack up some more wins uh, this coming week against the Harrisburg Senators. Of course, Somerset saw Harrisburg in the opening series of the season, winning five of six against them. This time they're in Pennsylvania, and we'll uh, get to that next, breaking things down. Mark, stay right there. We'll be back in the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. The Patriots continue their 12-game road trip 
with the uh, final leg, six games against the Harrisburg Senators. Mark, we saw Harrisburg the very first week of the season. They were at TD Bank Ballpark in Bridgewater, and the Patriots saw a lot of success. They took five of six in that series. They hit just about every single Senators pitcher. It was such a strong start to the double-A history for the Somerset Patriots and a good opportunity to continue their uh, hot bats and their strong pitching. I think when we think Harrisburg Senators in our minds, it's got to be really the the uh, pitchers that are at the forefront. Tim Kate leading the way. We saw him twice to start the season. The Patriots hit him hard. But another big name that's gotten called up uh, recently to Harrisburg is Cade Cavalli. So we're excited to see those two in action. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cavalli's the big one. And uh, he's one of the top prospects in all of the Washington Nationals organization he didn't begin the season with the Harrisburg Senators. He began the season at, uh, at high A, where he just absolutely tore it up. So it makes sense that he had the, uh, the promotion here. I mean, he's the number one overall prospect in the Nationals organization. According to MLB Pipeline, he's got 60-grade stuff on, on a, lot of his, uh, a lot of his pitches. At high A, Wilmington, he went 3-1 and one with a 177 ERA, struck out 71 over 40 innings. The strikeout numbers have stood out. He's made two starts so far with the Harrisburg Senators. He's 0-1 with a 3.09 ERA. But looking at the overall strikeout leaders in all of minor league baseball, we've been monitoring that because Glenn Otto has been towards the top of that list for the Patriots for some time. Uh, but Cavalli is at the absolute top. He has struck out 88 batters. That is more strikeouts than any other pitcher at any level across all of minor league baseball. So this is somebody to really watch out for. Uh, I mean, he's on a fast track to the majors. Fortunately for the Patriots, they only see him once this week. He will be the Wednesday night starting pitcher for the Senators. So uh, by one series, the Patriots missed seeing Cavalli twice, which, you know, from a baseball perspective, you want to see some of the top prospects. You want to see the most talented arms. Uh, but from a winning games standpoint for the Patriots, when Cavalli's on the mound, he gives the Harrisburg Senators their best opportunity to win a game. Uh, and Somerset will only see him once. So a bit fortunate there for the Patriots. Uh, but that's going to be a really good test. You can make an argument, Brandon, that Cavalli is going to be the best, the top pitching prospect that the Patriots face this entire season. And that includes Simeon Woods Richardson, who's, who they've already seen twice. And for, you know, for Harrisburg, they really need to find a way to turn it around, Mark. Just 18 and 29 in the season. Worst record in the uh, Southwest Division. One of the worst uh, in all of the AA Northeast League. It has been such a struggle for them. Uh, the name that I turn to on the position player side is Drew Mendoza. We were pretty excited to see him at the beginning of the season, a top 30 guy for the Washington Nationals. But he hit just 160 in 34 games and actually got sent down uh, to kind of improve and work on his stuff with uh, High A Wilmington in his six games there. He's hitting 320, so maybe we'll see him back. But I, I think his struggles kind are a really good uh, show for the entire Harrisburg Senators team. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were excited to watch Mendoza play. I know he's a Cape guy, so I know that you had your uh, your eyes set on him there, Brandon. Uh, but once you take him out of the lineup, looking at the rest of this uh, Harrisburg team, you know, they've struggled offensively. I know for most of the season, I don't know their updated numbers, but they were towards the bottom of team batting average in the AA Northeast League and across all of minor league baseball as well. And looking at some of their contributors, Aldrum Corridor, we remember him from that first series of the season. Mm -hmm. He leads the team with a 278 batting average, four home runs, 29 RBI. KJ Harrison, he was batting in the middle of that order for Harrisburg in that first week. He's hitting 263 with three home runs. Cole Freeman, we saw him towards the top of the order for the Senators in that first series as well. Uh, he's hitting 260 with uh, four home runs and 14 RBI. But looking at this, this Harrisburg roster, their active roster, players who we anticipate we will see in this upcoming week. Uh, you've got Rhett Wiseman, who leads the team uh, with the active roster with six home runs, and he's got just 13 RBI, but has a low batting average at 202, and the strikeout numbers are a bit up. You've got Corridor, who's the only guy on the team that has over 20 RBI. He's got 29. The next closest is Cole Freeman at 14. So this is a lineup that is not going to scare opponents, and on the active roster, their batting average stands right now uh, just for the guys that are on the roster, not in terms of the overall season, at 206. So we talk so much about this Patriots pitching staff and how successful they've been and how impressive they've been. 
So you've got the strength of Somerset going up against the notable weakness of the Harrisburg Senators. It gives Somerset even a better opportunity to really exploit the struggles in that lineup. And, uh, you know, this is a series that lines up and matches up very well for the Patriots. Yeah, Mark, you alluded to it earlier, but just to confirm, their 206 batting average as a team is dead last in all of AA. They've hit the least home runs with, I believe that number is at just 28. That's tied for last. They've also scored the least runs with just 155. That's not quite a recipe for success. And those 155 runs, nearly 100 less than the Patriots, and their offense has been pretty good this season. What are the biggest things that you're looking at in this series? What do we need to see from Somerset to kind of make sure that they're still on this really good track and trajectory? Well, I, th- I think they need to win games that they're supposed to win. I mean, looking at the probables upcoming, Luis Reyes takes the mound for the, the Senators on night one. He's got a 4A2 ERA, nothing special, going up against Luis uh, Medina for the Patriots. And Medina has struggled his last time out. We're anticipating as long as all games get played this week. I know that there's some potential uh, weather issues in the first couple of games of the series. Uh, but as long as Medina and the Patriots play, Medina's going to get two starts. So the Patriots need to win games that they're supposed to win. Specifically, I want to see Luis Medina show off some of the stuff that he showed off in his first start at home because he's got two opportunities now to go up against a weak Harrisburg lineup. I want to see that fastball located, and I want to see that breaking ball cross the strike zone with a little bit more consistency. Uh, The rest of the pitching staff, I'm not too concerned about. Uh, We do have the estimated probables right now for the Patriots, and J.P. Sears is supposed to go on uh, on Game 3 on Thursday. Right now, Jansen Jung's not in the rotation. We'll get into that. Uh, But, you know, the rest of the Patriots pitchers, I'm not too concerned Uh, from a hitting standpoint. I want to see more consistency specifically out of Dermis Garcia. Um, I want to see if he can, you know, slow down some of those strikeouts, provide more of that power. I want to see Oswald Peraza bounce back a little bit. He had that 13 game on base streak. However, he went uh, 0 for, what was it, 0 for 4 on Saturday night. He went 0 for 4 on Sunday as well. So uh, see him pick it up a little bit as well. Um, you know, the, the bats should have a good opportunity in this series. They might struggle against Cade Cavalli. Um, the rest of the pitching staff doesn't really scare me too much. So uh, consistency from Luis Medina, uh, some of the bats picking up a, a little bit more and, um, you know, just overall taking games. Because we're at the point now, Brandon, where, you know, looking at the second half of the season, I read this off on the broadcast last night, um, pretty much the entire second half of the season is against the Southwest Division. There's a series at the end of the year against Hartford. There's a series at the end of July against Reading. Uh, aside from that, the rest of the season, you've got two series against Akron. Uh, you've got one against Erie. You've got two against Bowie. You've got one against Richmond. You've got two against Altoona. So this is the time where the Patriots kind of need to beef up their record a little bit because you need to have that cushion when you're going up against these tougher opponents. So this is a series where Somerset should take at least four of six. If it's anything less than that, I would consider that a bit of a letdown. We really should be looking at them maybe taking five of six in this series, but we'll see. Well, as you said, Mark, with a somewhat tough stretch uh, ahead against the Southwest Division that, uh, at least by record, has been better than the Northeast, the Patriots uh, need to have some success. The last thing I want to hit on really quickly, we've alluded to it really throughout the podcast, is uh, Jansen Junk not being in the rotation. We see the probables here, of course, just expected, and they could change because Jansen was also not in the probables last week for Somerset, but Luis Medina is slated to go Tuesday with Ken Waldachuk Wednesday, J.P. Sears Thursday, Hayden Wisniewski Friday, Glenn Otto Saturday, and Medina a second time around on Sunday. Kind of a head-scratcher for a guy in Jansen Junk that leads all of the minor leagues with a 107 ERA. He's also uh, in the top five in uh, batting average against. I mean, he has been so solid throughout this entire season for Somerset. Any kind of inclination on why he might not be in this starting rotation? Well, I, th- I think, you know, when it comes to junk and also comes to J.P. Sears and, you know, even, even a little bit for Glenn Otto, uh, though we've only seen Otto make one relief appearance this year, and that was on the back end of a Zach Britton start. I think those guys, and even to an extent, Luis Hill, honestly, I think there's still some questions in the Yankees' minds on whether these guys profile as longtime starting pitchers. 
or if they profile more so as relief pitchers. So from a standpoint of how the team's been playing this season, of course it makes sense to keep Jansen Junk in a rotation when he has the best ERA among any qualified pitcher in all of minor league baseball. But they've been playing around, and I think they want to get some more looks at J.P. Sears as a starting pitcher. Uh, He had success as a starting pitcher in 2019, and he started off this season as a long reliever. Now, his first start of the season in Somerset against the Reading Fighting Phils, he struck out a career-high 10 batters. Uh, His last two starts, he hasn't had as much success, both times only going three innings. So I don't think it's as much um, like a negative note on Jansen Junk as it is the Yankees really trying to get a better look at who they have in terms of pitchers and how everyone profiles. So with Junk having the ability to throw out of the bullpen, even though he's been a terrific starter for the Patriots this year, I think the Yankees are not as concerned about whether or not the Patriots keep accumulating a bunch of wins. Of course, it looks good. They want the team to win, and it looks good for the organization. But the name of the game here is player development. And the name of the game for these farm directors is to really understand who they have in these prospects and the best chess pieces to play at certain times. So I think it's just a feeling out to really see what Junk can offer out of the bullpen, what J.P. Sears can offer with a little bit more opportunities as a starting pitcher at the double-A level for the first time in his career. And, you know, I think there's a good chance that in future series, once Sears gets some more looks in the starting rotation, maybe they flip-flop, maybe they go back. We've seen them piggyback each other a couple of times this season as well. So I, I don't think the full story has been written on Jansen Junk and J.P. Sears and the rest of this rotation. Yeah, we look forward to seeing how that plays out. Again, the Patriots on the road for another six-game stretch. They take on the Harrisburg Senators this week. Somerset 31-16, and 16, the best record in the AA Northeast League. Harrisburg in the bottom end of that spectrum. They are 18-29 and 29 this season. Another programming note to throw in there. The first three games of the series, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, are a 6-30 first pitch with Friday and Saturday's games beginning at 7. And then the final game in the series on 4th of July, you can uh, enjoy your holiday by tuning in to Patriots Baseball. That game begins at 1 o'clock, and all the coverage will be on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com, as it always is. And uh, one more time, Mark will be on the road. So, Mark, uh, hopefully you enjoy the trip to uh, Harrisburg. Say hello to Terry Byram for me. Uh, I'm sure it'll be good to check back in with uh, the Senators broadcaster, uh, but it should be a strong series for Somerset as they take the road one more time. Well, We've got just one last thing to get to, and uh, that's taking a look in on some former Patriots and what they're up to at the AAA level. A lot of prospects made their way up to start the uh, start the month of June, so we'll check how they're doing next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. The Patriots in Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennollgolf.com to book a tee time today. Welcome back, folks. It's the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Uh, Somerset started the season with a lot of really good players, and that's uh, one of the many reasons why they are leading the AA Northeast League with a 31-16 and record. But uh, a couple weeks ago, Mark, we saw 15 transactions in one day, and uh, many of those moves were players going from Somerset up to the AAA level, I guess taking a step back just before that 
a couple guys that uh, had previously gotten the call up. We begin with Estevan Florial. I think that's the only place we can start. The 10th ranked Yankees prospect. We saw him make an appearance in the bigs this season, going one for three with a double. He shined in his week and a half, two week stretch with Somerset. But he's fallen off a little bit. I mean, he's hitting 219. The strikeouts, which we were always kind of concerned with, are uh, at 40. He's slowed down on them a little bit, but uh, he certainly has cooled off. Yeah, he, he certainly has. Um, you know, there's been a, a good stretch for him, you know, specifically over the, his last four games. He's got two RBI in, in each of his last four games, riding a current four-game hit streak. So he's starting to pick it up just a little bit, but the strikeout numbers have been there. He has struck out um, at least once in all the two games that he's played in the month of June, including a number of games with multiple strikeouts. And his batting average until this recent uh, four-game hit streak uh, was sitting at 189 on the season. And, you know, he tore it up in Somerset. And the Patriots and the Patriots fans will always remember Esteban Florial for that, that opening homestand and hitting four home runs, including a home run as the first batter for the team's AA affiliation. Um, so he'll always go down in history as a memorable player for the Patriots. But there's a reason why, you know, with as many tools that he has, is he hasn't had that extended opportunity in the big leagues. He still has some work to put in, specifically cutting down those strikeout numbers and really maximizing his skill set because he's got the raw power. Like He has the ability to hit for average. He's a very strong fielder. He's got a lot of range in the outfield. He's got a strong arm. The average hasn't quite been there yet, but you know, once he picks up the average, cuts down in the strikeout numbers, you know, he's, he's got the ability. So it's nice to see him pick it up with his uh, four straight games with two RBI in each game, but still isn't quite where he needs to be. One name that uh, I don't want to say has been curious, but uh, certainly his play has surprised me just a little bit at AAA. It certainly hasn't surprised the Yankees because they decided to call him up. But that's Hoy Park, the infielder. With Somerset in 10 games, he was hitting below 200. But in uh, AAA with Sprint, the numbers jump out of the page. You can't ignore them. Across 30 games, he's a 360 hitter. He has seven home runs as well with seven doubles. He's been unbelievable. How about a 503 on base percentage for Hoy Park? <laughs> he's getting on base more times than he's recording and out this season. It's just, it's nuts. And, you know, he was impressive. The, the thing with Hoy Park, is that he had already established himself at the double-A level before playing with the Patriots. I mean, he was with double-A trend in 2019, hit 272 that year, uh, 20 home runs. The most home runs he had hit in a, in a season entering this year was 2017, where he had uh, six with single-A Charleston and one with high-A Tampa. But he's got seven just with Scranton Wilkes-Barre alone. And the interesting thing with Park is that they've actually been playing around a little bit with him and where he lines up defensively. He got a couple of starts last week in center field, which I think keys you in for the Yankees on their thought process because the Yanks have some needs in the outfield with all of the injuries that have plagued them over there. So having a guy tearing up AAA like Hoy Park is, who's an infielder by trade, putting him in the outfield kind of gives you some like insight into the minds of the Yankees saying, like, well, this guy... If he could play in the outfield, you know, maybe he's somebody that can uh, that has an opportunity to get called up. I, I think Trey Ambergie would probably get called up before Hoy Park does. Uh, but still, what Hoy's done uh, after his start to the year in Somerset, now what he's doing in Scranton is just remarkable. And Mark, over to uh, some of the arms with the pitchers that the Patriots sent up: Luis Heel, Matt Crook. Greg Weissert in there. Looking at the line, Weissert across three and two-thirds. Not only has he uh, thrown scoreless baseball, but he has not allowed a hit yet. So continuing to do what uh, kind of where he left off with the Patriots and that filthy slider. Matt Crook has been really good. He's uh, he's pitched in two games, made one start and just a 1-4-2 ERA across six and a third. A little surprise, though, when we look at Luis Heal, whose ERA is at six through uh, two starts. And he has not had the strikeout stuff, just nine Ks. The command hasn't been there with 10 walks. In his time with Somerset, he only allowed 13 walks, and I believe it was near 50 strikeouts in, uh, in 30 innings pitched. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody that a lot of Yankee fans have their eyes on. Uh, he entered the season as the number five prospect in the Yankees organization, and he had some electric stuff while he was in Somerset. His first start with the Rail Riders, he got hit hard, five runs on seven hits. 
over five innings. And then it, it, it feels like he kind of overcorrected a little bit his last time out because he went four innings and he did not allow a hit. He only allowed one run. However, in that last start, he walked seven batters over four innings. And, you know, that's, that's not going to get the job done. And with Luis, it, it's somewhat similar to, you know, our conversations about Luis Medina. The stuff is there. He's got the fastball that can get in the high 90s, can potentially touch triple digits one day. Um, you know, he's got breaking balls that, that have good movements, got a hard slider. Uh, he challenges batters. He goes after them. Uh, but the command with that fastball, sometimes it, it just isn't there. And when you're walking seven batters over four innings at the AAA level, it's not going to get the job done. But, you know, he's up at the AAA level now, and he's going to have as many opportunities as he needs to prove himself at that level. Well, let's uh, hear from the rest of the Yankees affiliates. We'll check in with the farm report here from the Tampa Tarpons, Hudson Valley Renegades, and one more time from the Strand Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. It was a week of starting and stopping for Tampa. They were supposed to play six games with the Lakeland Flying Tigers and on Tuesday night emerged victorious 4-3. However, that game was not completed on Tuesday. It was suspended midway through and picked up as part of a quasi-doubleheader on Wednesday. The game was completed, but then the second game of that quasi-doubleheader was postponed and rained out. Tampa and Lakeland were supposed to try to do a doubleheader on Thursday the 24th. They played the first game of the doubleheader, won by Tampa 10-2, and then the second game got rained out. So then we look ahead to Friday night. They were looking to play, you guessed it, a doubleheader. That game, both of them, rained out. So finally, Saturday, Tampa and Lakeland actually played and completed a doubleheader. Lakeland won the first game 7-5, and Tampa able to claim the second by a 6-5 final. It was a nice week for Eric Wagaman for the Tampa Tarpons, including a home run and four RBIs and a 2-for-2 performance in the first game of the doubleheader, the one that was actually played on Thursday. Anthony Volpe in Game 2 on Saturday went 3-for-4 with a double and his ninth home run of the season. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. The Wilmington Blue Rocks made their first trip to the Hudson Valley this week, and it's gone quite well for the Renegades. On Tuesday night, the Gades whipped the Rocks 12-3. Brandon Lockridge hit a three-run shot and drove in four. On Wednesday, the Phenomenos and Mascarados took the field for Copa Night, and the rebranded Renegades for the night found themselves down 8-3 in the 11th inning. No problem, as Anthony Siegler ended the night. He swings and skies it to left, heading down the line, a long run. It is a fair ball! One run is already scored, and the Renegades win it! Thursday was a more ho-hum affair as Josh Bro homered twice to propel Hudson Valley to a 6-1 win. On Friday, the Blue Rocks built up another 8-3 lead. The Renegades put four on the board in the seventh and four on the board in the eighth. Anthony Siegler was again the hero, this time just missing a grand slam. And Siegler hits one to deep right, turning around Smith. It's out the fence, it's off the fence. Two runs have already scored. A third one is on the way. The throw, not time. A double, three RBIs, and the Renegades take an 11-8 lead. The Blue Rocks again built up a lead on Saturday, but the rallying Renegades wouldn't go away, and Elijah Dunham homer tied it in the eighth. Oh, and what was that I was saying about Anthony Siegler missing a grand slam? Surely he couldn't win a third game this week. Could he? And a drive to right! Say goodnight! It is... A Grand Slam! The only question was, would it stay fair? But from my view, it looked gone off the bat, and you bet it was. A Grand Slam for Anthony Siegler, and the Renegades win 8-4. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, a chance for another series win. Scranton Wilkesbury has hit double figures three different times in their series against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Rail Riders winning games 14 to 5, 10 to 2, and 10 to 4. They fell in walk-off fashion on Wednesday night, 3 to 2 in 12 innings, and dropped a 6-3 final on Friday. Plenty of stars throughout the course of this week, but it's Trey Ambergy etching his name into the record books. The 3-2 bounces, 
and gets away from Logan Moore. That is ball four and a 33-game on-base streak for Trey Ambergie, a new Rail Riders franchise record. Ambergie surpassing Brandon Drury's 2018 club record 32-game on-base streak. It dates back to the final couple games of his 2019 season and every game he's played for the Rail Riders this year. Heading into play on Sunday, Ambergie's carrying a 347 batting average and a 402 on base percentage. 11 walks, 34 hits, over 98 at bats, plus six homers, and a team best 32 runs batted in. Ambergie has now reached in 34 consecutive games, dating back to the tail end of the 2019 season. Not far behind, Hoy Park has reached in 22 straight and Greg Allen in 20 consecutive games. Off day Monday and travel to Worcester, their first series ever against the Woo Sox in Polar Park. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Well, it's always great to hear from the uh, rest of our uh, sister organizations, the uh, Yankees affiliates around the minors, most of them having success this past week. And uh, we'll look forward to another really fun week. The Patriots are again on the road, this time taking on the Harrisburg Senators for six games slated over in Pennsylvania. Mark Schwartz will be on the road with all the coverage. And uh, one last time, that programming note, Tuesday through Thursday night's games will start at uh, 6.30, Friday and Saturday, 7 o'clock start, and Sunday, the usual matinee, a 1, uh, one o'clock start on the 4th of July. So we hope you'll tune in. We thank you so much for tuning in this week for Mark Schwartz. I'm Brandon Peltzer saying thanks so much. And uh, so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Or if you're listening on Tuesday, we'll talk to you tonight. Uh, This has been the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Thank you for listening to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.